Let us pray. Truly come to us, Emmanuel. Mold us and shape us. Renew us and empower us for your purposes and your plan and your will for our lives and for our church. And may the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our redeemer. Amen. Well, please be seated. Good morning, everyone. So glad that you've joined us via the live stream. The story I want to share as we begin our time together in the sermon this morning, um, it's a good, funny, true story of the holidays. It's also a really good example of how not to approach stewardship. And many of you may remember Paul Harvey, the radio commentator that was on both TV and radio for so many years. And he, a number of years ago, told this true story. The Butterball Turkey Company, during the Thanksgiving and Christmas holidays, has a hotline. I believe they still do that, which people can call into with questions about cooking their turkey. And on one occasion, a number of years ago, a lady called in to inquire about preparing a turkey that had been in the bottom of her freezer for 23 years. That's right, I did say 23 years. The Butterball representative told her the turkey would probably be safe to eat if the freezer had kept below zero for the entire 23 years. But the representative at Butterball Turkey Company also went on to tell her that even if the turkey was safe to eat, the flavor probably would have deteriorated to such a degree that she would not recommend eating it. The lady paused for a moment and replied, that's what I thought we'll give the turkey to our church. This has been an incredible and wonderful weekend here at All Saints Church. Um, As many of you are aware and even were present for, we had our first annual drive-through living nativity on Friday night. And Tara and the staff and her team of volunteers worked incredibly hard and did an excellent job. We folks had 291 cars of people from our community come through the drive-through Living Nativity in two and a half hours time. And Jason is going to, in a moment, put up a few slides of that event just to show you what things looked like. I understand, although I was out back with Father Jed handing out flyers, that the line at one point stretched all the way down and around the corner at McDonald's, even though our parking lot was snaked and, um, you know, full to capacity. We had the assistance of the Prince William County Police Department, but also with that, we collected canned goods. And Jason, are we able to get the pictures up? Are we, there we go. So here's the live nativity, a few pictures of that with our live animals. <clears throat> and there is a picture of our church kitchen with the food goods going all the way back to the bags that are still on the cart in the back. And, and Kim, don't worry, we're going to get that stuff out of the kitchen. No worries there. But, um, We had the majority of cars that came through brought food goods for our pantry and a number of folks that didn't gave us cash for the food pantry. And we collected both all of that food and $111 in cash for food pantry items, which we will be distributing going into the new year. And then that wasn't everything because then yesterday we had our untrimetry distribution of Christmas gifts and Lisa Fair and Lindsay Powers and Deacon Julie and their team did a wonderful job as well as all of you who contributed gifts, and we were short a couple of gifts which we we needed to purchase, and then yesterday, several folks from the church came by and gave us cash to cover the cost of those gifts. We provided 
Christmas gifts for 77 children from 34 different families in our community who would not have had anything for Christmas otherwise. And in addition to that, we provided each of those families with a gift card to Food Lion to assist them in purchasing food for their Christmas meal. And Lisa shared with me when I talked with her last night that a number of those families, when we gave them the gift card, which they totally did not expect, burst into tears because these are families among the poorest of the poor and our community. So all that to say, well done, All Saints Church, and praise God for his blessing and his grace in both calling us to this and enabling us to accomplish what he has called us to. We're so grateful for that and for everyone who made these wonderful events possible. We're looking at our gospel reading this morning from Luke chapter 1. I'd ask you to turn there if you have your Bibles or devices. And Luke chapter 1 actually contains two separate birth announcements by an angel. The first in verses 5 through 25 are the announcement for telling the birth of John the Baptist. Then beginning in Luke chapter 1 verse 26, Luke records the angel's announcement for telling the birth of Jesus. The announcement comes to Jesus' mother, Mary. And what I want to do this morning in this scripture passage is really focus on Mary on her godly response to these events, and to focus on her godly character. What the Bible says here about Mary and what we can learn from her life and example must not be ignored. She is a wonderful example to us. This is a rich, rich passage which contains far more than can be adequately covered in one sermon. So in our time together looking at Mary's example, I want to attempt at some level to view things from her perspective. And to ask God to speak to each of us and all of us together to reframe our perspective. There's a great deal we can learn from Mary in this passage. We can learn how to respond when God brings the unexpected into our lives. And I think that's especially appropriate in a season like this, in this season of COVID. A time when there's a lot of anxiety in our culture. There's a lot of anxiety even in our lives and in our homes. And at times there is even anger and folks so often are looking for someone or something to direct that anger toward because we don't know what to do with things when they feel out of our control. I think Mary felt some of those very same things at that time in very different but also unexpected circumstances. And we can learn from her example what heartfelt obedience and surrender to God's will should look like. So in looking at Mary's responses today in this incredible announcement, I really have three points. The surprise, the exemplary response, and the questions. The surprise really begins with the announcement in verse 26 where we read, In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth. The phrase in the sixth month very clearly links this passage with the preceding one for telling the birth of John the Baptist, whose mother Elizabeth was in the sixth month of her pregnancy at this time. We read about this in verse 36 of Luke 1. And like John the Baptist, an angel sent from God brings this message to Mary. Verses 26 through 28 also tell us a number of things concerning Mary herself, which I think are incredibly important for our understanding and comprehension of what is taking place. First, in verse 26, 
We read that Mary was living in Nazareth when all this took place. And this stands in sharp contrast to Mary's relative Elizabeth, the mother of John the Baptist. Elizabeth and Zechariah's announcement came in Jerusalem, where he served as a priest. Jerusalem was the religious, political, and cultural center of the Jewish world. In contrast, Nazareth was essentially a little hick village off the beaten path, a community of relatively poor rural people. The fact that Nazareth was not highly regarded is apparent from what the disciple Nathaniel says in John 1 verse 46 where he asks the question, can any good thing come out of Nazareth? Nazareth was as lowly and humble as Jerusalem was exalted as a city. But what does that show us and teach us about our God? I believe that it shows us that seemingly in the world's eyes, insignificant people living in out of the way places can and are very much the recipients of God's blessing. He doesn't operate. God doesn't operate with the culture and the values and the priorities of this world. Second, we learn in verse 27 that Mary was a virgin. She had never had sexual relations with any man. This is reaffirmed by Mary's own words in verse 34. This underlines and emphasizes to us the magnitude of the things that the angel is announcing to her. Her virginity is also an incredibly important fulfillment of prophecy regarding the coming of the Messiah into the world. Because in Isaiah chapter 7 verse 14, the prophet Isaiah centuries before says this. Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. Third. We read that Mary was pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. A pledge to be married, also known as a betrothal, was much stronger than our contemporary concept of engagement. As I have said before last year when we looked at Joseph's perspective on these things. Jewish girls in that day were usually pledged to be married when they were 12 and a half or 13 years of age. At the very oldest, Mary was about 15, but in all likelihood, she was about 13 years old when all of this took place. Think about that. Guys and girls in the youth ministry, think about that. And that Mary was pledged to be married means that Joseph was already legally her husband, even though they weren't living together. A legal agreement had been established. Mary's father had paid what was known as a bride price. He'd paid Joseph a sum of money. And the couple could only be separated by death or divorce. This period of betrothal or being pledged lasted around a year. And the bride continued living with her father during that time. After that period was up, she would go to live with her husband and the marriage would be fully consummated. And then the fourth thing we see here. The final thing we learn concerning Mary is spoken by the angel Gabriel in verse 28. And he said, he came to her and said, greetings, O favored one. The Lord is with you. Mary is highly favored by God. The idea here is that God's grace has come to her in a special way. She is a special object of God's favor. 
Gabriel goes on to say, the Lord is with you. We can't miss the importance of these words. That is much more than niceties or a formal greeting. The language here demonstrates that she, Mary, this 13 or so year old girl, has been chosen to play an incredibly special and profound role in God's plan of salvation for the world. The words of Gabriel also give her assurance. Assurance that God will be her supply and be her protector through all that is going to come to pass. What does that say to us? It says to us that when God calls someone for a special purpose, when God calls you or me or this church for a special purpose, he always provides in his power and from his infinite resources the means to accomplish that purpose. It's the same kind of special promise that was given to Isaac in Genesis 26 verse 24 where God spoke to him. I am the God of Abraham, your father. Fear not, I am with you and will bless you and multiply your offspring for my servant Abraham's sake. It's the same kind of promise that he gave to Jacob in Genesis 28, 15. Behold, I am with you and will keep you wherever you go and will bring you back to this land for I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. It's the kind of promise he gave to Moses in Exodus chapter 3, verse 12. But I will be with you. And this shall be the sign for you that I have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God on this mountain. It's the kind of promise God gave to Jeremiah in Jeremiah chapter 1. Do not be afraid of them, for I am with you to deliver you, declares declares the Lord. What did the angel's statement say to Mary? What should it say to us? It says this. When we are walking in the will of God and when God calls us to a special purpose, even something that is completely outside of us, beyond our comprehension, and certainly beyond our human abilities, we can trust him. God is faithful. God will keep his word. And when he calls us to something, he will empower us and pour his resources into us to bring that to pass. His favor and grace are more than sufficient. God's favor and grace are more than sufficient even during this season of COVID. God's favor and grace is sufficient as countless believers down through the ages have testified, even in the midst of overt persecution as believers in other places around the world are experiencing even this very day. His favor and grace are more than sufficient because it's not about us or our abilities or about our strength. It is about him. The Lord is with you. Those words are not a promise or excuse me, or a promise that God, our all-sufficient one, that he will accomplish his plan and purposes through Mary and through us by his joyful, by his, excuse me, by his supernatural means if, if we joyfully surrender to him. That's the announcement. But let's look at Mary's response. Again, let's try to put ourselves in Mary's shoes. Think of what the angel just spoke to her. Imagine the shock. Imagine the feeling of being overwhelmed. Imagine the fear. 
even before what was spoken to her. I mean, think about it. She's standing in the presence of a real live angel. If I was in that situation, I think the angel would need to say a whole lot more to me than do not be afraid. Imagine what must have been running through Mary's mind. She's being told she's going to have a child. Yet she knows that she has never known a man. She's betrothed. She's already considered married. This could disgrace her for the rest of her life. Scandalous. Shameful. What will people think? What will all the gossip say? And remember, this information has only been revealed to her and it would be revealed to Joseph in a dream. This wasn't revealed to everybody else. The angels responds to her wondering with things that are perhaps even more overwhelming. The angel says to her, she will give birth to a son. She is to call his name Jesus. He will be called the son of the most high. Think about that statement alone. He will be called the son of the most high, the son of the eternal God. The Lord will give him the throne of his father, David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever and his kingdom will never end. This son she is going to bear is going to be a king in the line of David over all of Israel. But his kingdom will be unending eternal. This is the one, this is the promised foretold Messiah. The one in whom all the hopes of the Jewish people for a ruler and redeemer are resting. This is the one in whom the hopes for the redemption of Israel and all of humanity rests. Mary never questioned God's message. What a profound example to us. That when God is really doing something powerful and using us or someone else, can we trust him for the details even when we don't understand them? Can we trust him When everything around us in terms of our ability to assess things doesn't make sense. Can we trust him when we don't understand or know the details? Mary had questions. She certainly had experienced very validly anxiety. But we never see any inkling of her questioning God or his ability or his faithfulness. Instead, what we see is trust and willful surrender, an exemplary, if you will, response. Look at verse 38 with me. And Mary said, behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. I believe this is the single most important verse for us in the entire passage we're reading today. Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. The word here is bondservant or slave in the original language. In other words, I am fully surrendered to your plan and purpose. May it come to me as you have said. Despite the very real possibility of personal loss, despite the possibility of the loss of my husband, of my reputation, despite the real possibility of humiliation, scorn, disgrace, and rejection by people, I am the servant of the Lord. There is incredible risk here, but Lord, I will surrender to you because I know that you are with me. What she was dealing with would overwhelm anyone, let alone a 13-year-old girl living in a poverty-stricken village 
in an out-of-the-way place. It would stir questions in anyone's mind. So let's look at the questions because Mary did have questions. The main one is found in verse 34. How will this be since I am a virgin? Verses 35 through 37 give us the angel's answer. And the angel said, answered her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. Not every specific detail is given because what is going to take place is a supernatural event. It did not involve intimate contact with another, with a man. It's supernatural. It's a miracle. And from our limited human frame of reference, it is beyond understanding or comprehension. And it's a mystery that we need to be okay with because Mary in her own example was okay with it. She did not question the announcement. She didn't ask for a sign, even though one is given her in verse 36. Look at verse 36 with me. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also so conceived, and this is the sixth month with her who was barren. That is clearly a sign. The imagery of the power of the Most High God overshadowing Mary speaks of God's glory and presence resting upon her. It's the same wording that is used in the Old Testament when God's glory rested upon the tabernacle in Exodus 40. And we shouldn't miss that. It's the same wording that is used in the New Testament in Luke 9.34 when the cloud of transfiguration overshadowed the disciples on the mountain. And the bottom line is found in verse 37. Once again, for nothing is impossible with God. Mary did not understand how all this was going to work out. But Mary is a picture of the ideal believer in her response. A wonderful, powerful model to us of obedience and complete surrender to God's will. And her example speaks and cries out to us. Can we trust God? Do we trust him in this way? Are we willing, are you and I willing to obey God's clear will and directives above everything else? Even if faced with disgrace, faced with criticism, disgrace, faced with the possibility of the loss of everything this world offers to us in terms of temporal gain, reputation, worldly wealth, prestige, a good name in the worldly sense, or anything else that you and I hold dear. And yet God, like he did to Mary, calls us to the same response, to simply say, I am the Lord's bondservant. I am the Lord's slave, willingly. In Exodus chapter 21, verses 5 through 6, we read this about slavery in the Hebrew period. But if the slave plainly says, I love my master, my wife, and my children, I will not 
I will not go out free. Then his master shall bring him to God and he shall bring him to the door or the doorpost and his master shall bore his ear through with an awl and he shall be his slave forever. Those of you who have been around for a while may remember a worship song back in the late 70s and early 80s called Pierce My Ear that talked about this scripture. And this, like in the case of Mary, is what God calls us to, not to be bond servants or slaves simply out of out of a sense of obligation. But like those Hebrew slaves who loved their masters so much, even when worldly freedom was offered to them, God calls us to be willing slaves, to in a sense figuratively place our earlobe upon that doorpost so that he can pierce it through with an awl and mark us as forever his bondservants, obedient slaves in the service of our king and master. Look at verse 38 again with me. Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. May that be in this season and in every season of our lives, our hearts cry that I am the servant. I am the slave of the Lord. Let it be to me. Let it be to us according to his will. Let us pray. Father, lead us in Mary's example and by the power of your spirit to that place of being willing, loving slaves, bond servants of the most high God. And Lord, fill us with grace and the knowledge of your promise that as we do that, that you will go with us, that you will never leave us nor forsake us. And Lord, give us grace to trust you, to trust your unfailing, unchanging character, and to walk by faith, even when things don't make sense, even when people in the world around us would call out, or criticize, or mock, or scorn, that we would be faithful and filled with fidelity to your holy will for the glory of your name. And we ask these things in Christ's name. Amen. Amen.